This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you. Pretty intense, huh? And I think sometimes that's how life is. That's what we're here to learn about. I'm really excited about today because I think the, the scriptures will give us insight on what we can do in life's difficulties and disappointments. And every one of us face those. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Our ushers would love to give you a Bible. Once you get a Bible, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Now, for the last number of weeks, skipping Easter, we've been talking about just tragedies, troubles, and none of us are exempt from them. And these difficulties and disappointments... They possess the potential to derail you, to try to wreck your faith. And literally, disappointments will either make me or they'll break me. Now, I brought this knife up here. And this knife represents life's difficulties. And so when life's difficulties come, do I grab it by the blade where it cuts me deeper where it begins to master me? Or do I grab it by the handle where it benefits me? It begins to work to my advantage. And I believe this is what we're going to learn today. So we begin today, Hebrews 10, verse 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated or enlightened, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. That's true. Maybe you're going through some stuff right now, some struggling and some suffering. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches, which is insults, and tribulations, abuse, and distress, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Literally what this is mean, you get around other people that have the same common cause. And oftentimes in life, we have this thought that, man, no one has it as bad as me. Yeah, people do. Everybody goes through stuff. This is a common cause. Verse 34. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and you joyfully accepted the plunderings of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. And when he talks about plunderings there... There's things on this earth that we lose, but nothing's in comparison to heaven, to eternity. And that's what he's telling us, to live for the things that are eternal. Verse 35, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Now, he wouldn't have warned me to cast away my confidence if it wasn't a possibility. Why does he warn me not to cast away my confidence, which it has great reward? One translation says, hold on tightly to God's plans so you'll be there for the promised completion. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance. The word endurance right here means to persevere, steadfastness, to hold out, to actively resist weariness and defeat. Now in saying that, you have need of endurance. Every one of us could raise our hand right now and say, Yes, I do. Grace me with endurance today, Lord. Keep reading. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. 
The message says, stick it out. Stay with God's plans. The new living says, don't allow your face to falter, for payday is coming. So we need just endurance that we just stay with it day by day by day by day. by, And we keep doing the things of God. Now, this morning, we're all going to go through difficulties. So what do I do in the midst of difficulties? And I want you to see this biblically today. That will really help you. So go back into the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel 30. And we're going to take a portion of the scripture today. And look at some of the difficulties that a man named King David went to. Or went through. And I believe it will show me and you specifically. Things that will begin to answer my questions and your questions. When I'm faced with difficulties. 1 Samuel 30 verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Now I'm going to fill in the blanks as we go, but just to help you a little bit real quick. The place called Ziklag was a place where David lived for 16 months. At this time in David's life, he had been anointed to be the next king of Israel when he was 17. But he didn't walk in that till he was almost 30. So I like to reference the place called Ziklag as a place between prophecy or a calling and your destiny. Now we'll tell you this, every one of us in this room are going to have Ziklag experiences, okay? So David and his men, they're on a three-day journey from Ziklag and and they're going on these raids to to benefit themselves. Keep reading, verse 1. So on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag, they attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire. Now, most believe that this was a retaliatory attack against David and his men because of the raids they had done. Verse 2. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and they went their way. Now, Understand this as we're going through this here. David and his men have been on this three-day journey. And they come back up over a hill. And as they look at that hill, they realize the city they live in called Ziklag is on fire. Now what begins to go to their, through their mind? What would go through your mind? What's going on? What's happening? So as I read this here. Ziklag is a place where I said all of us will experience, but even King David, even though he was anointed to be the next king, he wasn't exempt from hardships, from difficulties, from disappointments. King David went through things that me and you go through. And his life wasn't once upon a time and he lived happily ever after. That wasn't the case here. So when you read this, they begin to look at the city... And they see the the smoke arising. The question arises, and this may answer some questions for you today. Why do bad things happen to good people? Understand this, that when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, way back in the beginning of time, everything that Father God intended for mankind to have and to be, It was completely reversed. It went from blessing now to cursing. And some scripture gives us incredible insight. Let me me quote you three scriptures here. 
John 10.10 says the thief, the devil, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Anytime on this planet Earth that you see killing, stealing, and destroying, always remember who's responsible for that. Number two, John 12.31, it says the devil is the ruler of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says the God of this age. So understand this, that the devil has a lease on this place called earth. And he's going to be here until Jesus comes back the second time. And so we can't cast him back into the pit of hell and tell him to stay there forever. We can't do that. He has a legal right to be here right now. So understand this. As long as me and you are on this earth, we're going to face the devil. I remember years ago in one of Kenneth Hagin's prayer lines, he comes up to a man and he said, what do you want me to pray for? And the man said, I want you to pray that the devil never messes with me again. And he said, okay, I'll just pray you die and go to heaven today. And the guy said, no, 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 don't pray that. So again, understand, as long as we're here, we're going to be in, in a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. Ephesians six twelve. So back to the story here. We see what all's happened in David's life, and we get to verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captives. Then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and wept, and they had no, had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinanom the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. I've had bad days in my life, but I don't know that I've ever had a day like this. Where in a matter of one day, he loses his wife, he loses his children, he loses his home, he loses his possessions. Literally, the only thing that David has at this point in his time is the things that he has on. And so it's a very, very difficult time in David's life. Again, this doesn't mean that God was the source of life's difficulties. Life's victories aren't the absence of trouble. We're going to go through some things right here. And this is exactly what happens with King David. So we can, we can read the first five verses and see he's in great difficulty and great disappointment at this time in his life. Now... Rewind just a second to verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Man, get the picture of this. These guys have wept and they've wept and they've wept and they've cried so much that I, I believe they're sprawled out all over the ground. They have no more strength to cry and they have no more strength to even get back up. And times in our life when we see stuff like this, we wonder, why would they be weeping like this? But I believe weeping personally, it's natural. It's healthy. I believe also it's a form of humility where you almost look up and you're crying and you're crying. And to a sense, you're saying to Father God, I don't know what to do. I don't know if my children and my wives, I just don't know what to do. But oftentimes, especially with men, 
we view crying or weeping as a weakness. Again, I don't believe it's a weakness. You know, I hear people say many times, I I don't ever cry. I don't ever weep. At times, you better watch that because that's almost a prideful deal that we as humanity say, I'm too tough for that. There's nothing in life that can get me off off of who I am and what I do. I'm not going to weep. But when I look at King David's life, he was the last thing of weak. That would be the worst word you could describe him. This was the man that the song was saying that, that Saul's killed his thousands while David's killed his ten thousand. This is the same man that the Lord said to him, you won't build the temple because you've shed so much blood. And not only was David in this sense, but his men, and, and there were two of his men that really stood out to me of the 30. I encourage you sometime, read about the 30 mighty men of David. But two of them, one's name was Adino, and this guy, you know what he does? In one setting, he kills 800 men. Another guy named Abishah, in one setting, he kills 300 with a spear. So we're not talking about guys who weren't warriors. We're talking about men that became so, so hurt in life that they begin to cry. And weeping isn't a lack of faith. And, and, and weeping is part of the healing process where I'm able to show emotions. I just don't allow the emotions to have the last word. And so we look at this guy named David who's standing there weeping. He's the same one who said in Psalm 30 verse 5, he said, weeping may last the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so we get back to the story, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. You can imagine. For the people spoke of stoning him because, all the, the, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Now you wouldn't think David's day could get any worse, but now it does. And his own men who he'd done life with, they want to stone him to death. And many times when life's hardships come upon us, you find out who your real loyal friends are. I I applaud people in this church who have been loyal. I applaud you. You mean a lot to us. But again, I can't put my trust in men. In in Hebrews 13.5, the Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And So understand, no matter what you're going through, God's going to be there. And so these guys who had done life with David, it says there in verse 6, They were grieved in their hearts. The word grieved there literally means they were bitter. So what begins to happen with human nature is when life doesn't go the way we want it to, we start playing the blame game. And it's easier to blame other people. And and not only do we play the blame game, we become very critical and we criticize others. When life hadn't gone your way, who do you blame? It's my dad. It was my mom. It was this person, that person. Just think about this just for a second right now. In the difficulties you're going through, who are you blaming right now? Do you blame other people? Are you critical? 
And, and, and in this setting right here, these guys, when David found them, they were a bunch of nobodies and losers. You can read 1 Samuel 22, and it literally lists them as this. They were in debt, they were distressed, and they were discontented, the three Ds. That word discontented that you find in 1 Samuel 22, it meant they were bitter in their heart. And so these guys had a problem, you can tell, that when life didn't go their way, they became bitter. The root of bitterness rose up and they began to blame others. Is that you? Does that identify you today? Are you critical? It's very important that we see this here today. Now watch at the end of verse 6. Because this is when the story begins to change. But David, he strengthened or he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Everybody else becomes bitter. Everybody else becomes bitter, but not David. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. So what would that look like to encourage myself in the Lord? I believe what he did, he began to remind himself about how good God had been in his life. And you go back to his teenage boy, uh, his teenage years, when he's 17 as he's watching the sheep. You look with, that the Lord was with him when the lion came after him. The Lord was with him when he killed Goliath. He's the guy who said to Goliath, how dare you come against the armies of the living God? He's the same man who killed, uh, told King Saul. He said, I've killed the lion, and I've killed the tiger, and I've killed the bear. Lions and tigers and bears, oh no. He wasn't moved by anything. He reminded himself again of the greatness of God. Now, when I read this right here, it shows me that humanity will either respond to difficulties in one of two ways. I'll get bitter, and I'll blame God, or I'll blame others. Or I'll strengthen myself in the Lord. And when he strengthens himself in the Lord. He realizes I'm shifting my focus off of all my problems. And I'm shifting them on to God. David made the decision. I'm going to look to God. I'm going to call out to God. And ultimately what happens is we become part of the problem. Or we become part of the solution. Again, another question I have to do. Now, no one made David do this. He chose this. Now, for time's sake, let me just share with you verse 7. It says that David then called upon Abathar the priest. And he said, bring me the ephod. And the ephod was, was like a robe or a piece of cloth they would put on him. And, and David's men all knew when he calls for the ephod, it means he's going to seek God. And I believe this was his battle position with the ephod. I believe he'd get on his knees and he would begin to call out to God. And he would put that ephod up over his head. And he was like, my, my total concentration, my focus is on God. And then in verse number 8 it said, and he inquired of the Lord. Again, he didn't have to do that. But that's what he chose to do because David knew God was his constant. God doesn't change. And so in great difficulties, this is what he began to do. But to help us a little bit farther, 
What does that look like? How do I do that? Turn with me to to Psalm 34, the 34th Psalm. If we have time, I'll reference back to what all we just read there in 1 Samuel. If not, you're going to have to read it on your own. It's a good passage. Psalm 34, verse 1. King David speaking, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. The message says, every chance I get. Now now think about what we just read. I'll bless the Lord at all times. Good times, bad times, mad times, sad times, ugly times, difficult times. This is a guy who purposed in his heart and he said, listen, listen. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. And so he tells me and you that blessing the Lord wasn't because of having a good day or a bad day. Blessing the Lord in his life was a purpose in my heart. I'm going to bless the Lord. When I get up, I'm going to bless him, bless him, bless him. Bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so praise, it finds its expression when we sing to God. Praise finds its expression when we speak words to God. Uh, Praise actually is a transforming remedy for fear. Praise is a way that we exercise our faith. And so he said, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so if you begin to get a hold of what he began to do, he began to speak the thanks of God. Now, in life's difficulties... What are you singing about? What are you speaking about? Do you tell everybody how bad it is, how difficult it is, how hard it is? Or do you say what God said? I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. See again, he's telling me and you what to do. He goes on to say in verse 2, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. When I read the word of boast, you know what it tells me right there? I'm either going to be boasting... About God. Or I'm going to be boasting off of my resume. Which isn't very good. But I'm going to boast about something. And he said I'll boast in the Lord. The humble. And the word humble in many translations says. The afflicted shall hear of it and be glad. Oh magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Now every one of us in this room. Probably at one time or another. Have played with a magnifying glass. When I take that magnifying glass and I put it on something, it makes the image larger than it really is. The deal here is he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. He's telling me right there, he's magnifying God over and above his problems. In other words, my focus is on God. I'm going to magnify the Lord. And he ends here in verse 4 and he said, I sought the Lord. And he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. See, it's the same for me and you. When he said, I sought the Lord, that's a choice for every one of us in the room. And if it didn't matter that he sought the Lord, then why did he do it? Again, we play a part in this. There in James 4, 8, it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so right here in this passage, he begins to tell me in difficult times, praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Sing in the shower. Sing in your car. Begin to do that at all times. 
Now turn with me the book of Isaiah chapter 40. Right there to the right, Isaiah chapter 40. Oh, you got to see these things here. This, this is some of the stuff that I believe will help every one of us. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord. Now, there's several different definitions for the word wait. The first one that's used here in this, this passage, it means to look for. It means to expect, and it means to have hope. So he said, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But too many times in our life, we run and we're weary. Too many times we walk and we faint. But there's six words in that passage that change everything. Those who wait on the Lord. And out of those six words hinges four incredible blessings. Those who wait on the Lord, number one, they shall renew their strength. They'll get a fresh strength. Something on the inside begins to happen. Number two, those who wait on the Lord, they'll mount up with wings like eagles. Those that wait on the Lord, they'll run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But every one of those hinge on, do I wait on the Lord? In an expectation, in a hope, God's going to get me out of this. Now the last part of the word wait, it means to be still and it means to be quiet. It's not very hard to figure out that in the world we live in, it's a noisy society. It's a busy society. And, and I'm, I'm not faulting any of you. How many of you can't go to sleep at night without having the TV or the radio on? There's a lot of us. We, we like noise. We like busy. But those who wait upon the Lord... Now, I could have us sit here for a minute or two minutes and none of us say anything. If we bowed our head and everyone got, got real quiet for two minutes, you know what would happen to some of us? Freak out. We would literally go into shock. And I'm speaking this to myself. I find myself at times that i got to be doing something. I, I can't just sit still. I'm busy here and I'm going there and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And then when I'm not busy, my body doesn't know how to be still and quiet. So I reach for the remote control. And he's got the remote, thinks he's got the power, but we don't have the power. And I become dominated by that thing. How many of you have ever watched two hours of TV and you thought, what in the world did I watch? He said, Pastor, you go through that? I do. I'm a champion, uh, a channel surfer. I, I can go one through 99 in a matter of seconds. That's why in my living room, there's two remotes where Shelly cuts me off and says, <clears throat> she doesn't do that that ugly, but again, 
when I read these passages, I think, do I ever take time to sit in the presence of the Lord? How many of you have done something before just because you felt like it was right? And then you get out there and you realize and you said, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have bought that. And we have buyer's remorse because I never took the time to get in the presence of God. See, it's very similar to me walking right now. And, and when your shoe's untied, how do you know it? It just doesn't feel right. See, many times that's with the things of God. If I get into the presence of God, there in Romans 8, 16, it says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That's Romans 8, 14. Verse 16 says the Spirit of God will bear witness with my spirit. But if I never sit and wait and give him an opportunity to move, how will I ever hear from him? How will I be able to inquire? And so I take you back to the story in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30. David waits and he waits and he says, Lord, I'm not going to do anything until you tell me. And you know what the Lord finally tells him? Go after them. Pursue and overtake them and you'll recover all. And you know what he did? He recovered every bit of it. But what would have happened if he would have took life into his own hands? What would have happened if he wouldn't inquire of the Lord? He would be in the same mess that me and you are in many times. Now, in this passage here in Isaiah 40, verse 31, it's cross-referenced to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians 4. This is an added bonus, okay? The first service didn't get this. I ran out of time. You guys are going to get it. This is really... Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 8. Now this is where this whole thing takes me. Verse 8, 9, 10 and verse 16. Listen to what it says. We are hard pressed on every side. That may describe you right now. You feel like you've got stuff coming against you from the east, the west, the north, the south. Yet not crushed. We are perplexed, troubled, oppressed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body. I got to get back here in the light. The dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Verse 16. Now watch this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Day by day. I don't care what you're going through. Think about this. You're still here. You still got breath. And so I live for the Lord every day. Even though you're crushed, even though things are tough, you stick with the things of God. Just like David did. Now, I want to read one last passage here, and I'm going to read this in the message. This is Psalm 42, verse 11. Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. No matter what you're going through. And so as I look at all this, I don't have to inquire of the Lord. I don't have to strengthen myself in the Lord. 
But understand this, if I don't, nothing's going to change. And maybe you're here today, and your life is defined by, I blame this person, and I blame that person, and I'm very critical. If it is, I need a change of heart today. I don't know about you, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live my whole life where I've got to blame everybody else. I never take any ownership of my own. I want to step out and I want to trust God. And, and I believe this, that God is the God who changes. He'll grace us and mercy us when we make the decision to say, Lord, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to inquire of you. And so if you need a, a, a shot from God today, are you willing to raise your hands before him? Are you willing to praise him? And some of you may say, Pastor, I don't feel like it. Do you think King David really felt like it there? You know what he would have probably liked to do? He'd probably like to take in a couple aspirin and pull the sheets up over his head for about a week. But you know what he knew? I can't do that. i got to get back up. That's why in Proverbs 24, it says a righteous man will fall seven times. He'll get back up. Some of you need to get back up today. And I challenge you today to say, you know what? This is the way things may have been. I'm in difficulties. I'm in disappointments. But I'm going to praise you today, Lord. I'm going to seek you today. And this is just the thought. Maybe you got to quit running with people who play the blame game all the time. If you're always blaming people, you know who you attract? Other people that blame. If you're always critical, you know who you attract? You attract critical people. That's why stupid people attract stupid people. Pastor, are you accusing of that? No, I'm not. You read in between the lines. But again, I want to get around people that want to praise God. I know people that are going through storms of life and you'd never know it. Because you know what they say? I'll bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And so it comes as a choice. If you've never wept before the Lord... I'd encourage you to say, Lord, release that in my heart. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.